We are wrapping up our series called The Way, in which uh, we've been exploring um, the, the term, the way was a, a term given to the early Christians. What does it look like to live our lives in the way of Jesus? We've been um, looking at formation and practices, and uh, I believe last week we talked about Sabbath. And so this evening, uh, we conclude by talking about the way of forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. We're going to be in Matthew 18, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm going to read this for us, Matthew 18, 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. We are going to be talking about forgiveness this evening, and as I have been eager and excited and been preparing, I, I, the words of, of a friend of mine, a preacher, are ringing in my head. He said, of all the sermons I've preached, one was too short and the rest were too long, and I fear that we might have the latter tonight. So I hope you guys came ready to rumble. He had some coffee beforehand because we are going to go hard in the paint, all right? We, um, we're in a transitional uh, period in our family as my uh, oldest, uh, my son uh, is five years old, began kindergarten. And uh, it, things were going fairly well, I would say, uh, until last week when we received a phone call, our phone, first phone call from the principal. Okay, let's see what this is about. 
Uh, it was actually my wife who answered, and she filled me in later. It turns out that my son, in his childlike innocence, is still, have, is still learning the proper norms of uh, discretion and private parts and all that fun stuff. He, let's just say the, uh, you know, show and tell came easy to him. Yeah. So, uh, the principal was not mad. He just said, hey, we, we just want to make sure that you're encouraging proper privacy and such. And we're like, of course, of course. So when I get home from church, you know, I bring Dwayne aside and I say, all right, hey, buddy. Um, talk to the principal today. How was that? He's like, yeah, I talked to the principal. And, you know, what did, what did he say? Well, you know, I have to, you know, make sure to be private. Yeah, who can, who can see private parts? Well, just family and the doctors. But then he goes, but I'm still learning. <laughs> and I'm like, well, yeah, you're five. Of course, you are still learning. But, buddy, um, but it won't happen again, right? Because you know now that this is, you know. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if it does happen again, it's okay. <laughs> because I'm still learning. And I'm like, buddy, I'm like, what do I do here? Um, we, uh, I'm glad my, my son feels comfortable to say he's still learning, but I think we could all agree that there are some things you just need to know, right? <laughs> you just gotta figure out. Um, you know, I think that as we look at our process of formation as, as, as Christians who are, are trying to become more Christ-like, uh, we are in a process of still learning. It's an ongoing thing as we become more like Jesus. But what I would like to suggest is that when it comes to forgiveness, the matter of forgiveness, there is a certain weightiness and urgency in the text. I, I don't know about you, but we just read some intense lines all right, about being tortured in jail. If we do not forgive. I think that there's the sense of Jesus being like, you need to get this. This is so central to the gospel and inbreaking kingdom of God. And so tonight, uh, I'd like to suggest that forgiveness is at the heart of how God is going to heal the world. And therefore, we must practice as members of the way, we must practice forgiveness as a transformative act in our lives and others. Now, I'll unpack that um, as, as we go. Um, but as I was, I was researching uh, this sermon, I came across a quote from Mark Twain. He said, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. I thought about handing out flowers to all of you and having you, like, you know, smell it, but I didn't. So, um, and that's, that's kind of a cute image, right? That is a, uh, an interesting image. But uh, come to find out, there is some controversy to, to whom the, the quote is attributed. Um, actually, in the literature that I was reading, it said that he is quoting an inmate of an insane asylum, which I believe a mental hospital is now the more politically correct term. But that is how it was, it was said. So in the vein of perhaps uh, Michael Scott, this is maybe a more accurate uh, <laughs> quote. But forgiveness today does, as, as a concept, seems somewhat insane, 
right? You think about our world and, the, and how it functions. We, we, we live in a world that wants justice, it wants to punish, wants to, to uh, hold grudges. Anyone who does not agree with us is seen as an enemy. Um, many of you are familiar with the term, I know all of our, our young adults, uh, of cancel culture, right? Which, which is where you publicly air the mistakes of another and, and you cancel them. Which I would say you could argue there's been some, some good that has come out uh, of that. But it is also, in my view, a, 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 a uh, practice that holds no redemptive forgiveness at all. And what I would suggest is that, truthfully, this isn't all that different than the world Jesus lived in, which was, which was an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And forgiveness seems insane, right? And in fact, this is what we see with the disciples. After a discussion of church discipline, um, Peter is like, okay, this forgiveness thing, this seems, this seems crazy, this seems insane. He says, you know, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Because this is, this is new. Uh, up to seven times and. You know, you may have heard this story with, with 77 times or 70 times 7. Um, and uh, the, the, you know, the translation and everything, it could be a, a matter of things. But the point is Jesus is saying that forgiveness, there is no expiration. There is no, there's no finish. You, we are to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. It is ongoing. Some scholars think that maybe Jesus is calling back to Genesis 4, uh, where there was a, a, a relative descendant of, of Cain named Lamech who was injured and said, I will avenge 77 times. And so Jesus is saying, not, we will not avenge, but we will forgive. So at this point, Jesus goes into the parable. And he says, therefore... The kingdom of heaven is like a king who wants to settle accounts with his servants. And he begins to tell the story of a king. And this king uh, brings out uh, a servant. And this servant owes just a ton of money. I mean, uh, the, the NIV puts it as 10,000 bags of gold. It was just a crazy amount of money, a huge debt. And we see that the servant falls before him and is begging Jesus to be patient with him. And, and, um, and, and the, king, uh, the king then cancels the debt, forgives the debt, and lets him go. And so at this point, we get a picture of the goodness of the king. The merciful king who forgives the debt of the servant and so before we go any further, one, one thing that I wanted to point out as, as I was reading this is that we have to distinguish between two terms that are important in this conversation, and that is forgiveness and reconciliation. These are related, but not the same thing. Forgiveness is refusing to make another person pay for what they did. It is, it's, it is absorbing the debt that is owed you, the moral debt that is owed you on themselves, and it is it is not dependent on the actions of others. You can forgive someone regardless to whether they are repentant. But reconciliation is dependent on both parties. It must stem from a place of true repentance, and it is a restoration of the relationship. Now, as Christians, and, and, and in God's 
uh, plan in, in his kingdom, he, he hopes for and wants us to reconcile with one another and with the world. He, he desires this. But what we know is that reconciliation is not always possible. But forgiveness, I believe, is. I remember speaking with a student as we were discussing this topic, and it's a friend of mine. She's in college, and she had had a tragic event where her sister had passed away in a car accident, and she had some wounds from that, understandably. I remember she raised her hand and asked, how do we forgive someone who is no longer with us? And in that scenario, I would suggest there will be no reconciliation. That person has passed on, uh, except for in eternity when they're back together again. But there can be forgiveness, a healing that takes place in the person that was harmed. So with that in mind, let us continue on the parable. At this point, the servant who has been forgiven this big debt goes out, finds a fellow servant who owes him 100 silver coins, okay? This is minuscule compared to the giant uh, uh, debt of, the, of the, the first servant. And he grabbed him, and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me. And we have a similar story that takes place. The servant begs, please be patient with me. But he refused And instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debts. Now, here's what I want to highlight for us this evening. There are two differences that we can see in the way that this servant deals with the fellow servant and the way the king dealt with the servant. And the first difference is is the little line that I noticed uh, that in, in the, that first uh, paragraph. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Right? He didn't just ask for the debt to be paid, but he bullied him. He intimidated him. He, he, he was physically assaulting the man. The master, the good king, did not do this. He just asked. Do you remember, um, I remember as, as a you know, young person, we, we had a lot of school like uh, sessions, uh, you know, we would gather and we would talk about bullying. And one of the, the phrases that always stuck with me when we were talking about bullying is this, hurt people hurt people. Have you ever heard that? Hurt people hurt people. And the idea is, uh, that, that we hurt others because we have been wounded ourselves. I remember my grandpa, he, he actually helped me learn how to deal with pain. If I was at my grandpa's house and I stubbed my toe and I started crying or something, my grandpa would come over and he'd grab my ear and he'd twist it. And I'd be like, oh, grandpa! And he said, see, now you're not thinking about your toe. All right? Probably not the best way to deal with pain. But hurt people, hurt people. There's a... a one, um, uh, let's see here, the, um, oh, I'm a little bit behind, there we go. Uh, Richard Rohr says that all pain or tension that we do not transform, we will transmit. 
say that again. Any pain or tension that we do not transform, we will transmit. I was reading that 90% of abusers were abused. But not all who were abused went on to become abusers. The pain, the wounds, the things that we experience in this life, the hurts that we have from others failing us, we either pass that on or we find some other way to transform that and be healed. And I would suggest that the way in which God transforms pain is forgiveness. He's given us the way. And this is what we see at the cross. Parker Palmer says it like this. The cross says the pain stops here. The way of the cross is a way of absorbing pain, not passing it on. A way that transforms pain from destructive impulse into creative power. Those who don't forgive inevitably pass on their pain. They become the one who chokes their brother or sister. They inflict damage on others. They live a life of bitterness, anger, and resentment, and they seek revenge rather than reconciliation. But what's interesting to note is that uh, hurt people not only hurt others, but they are inflicting damage upon themselves. Um, Duke University Medical School did a study about this in the early 2000s, where they, they began to look at, they compiled all of the diseases and, and things that were going on, um, why people were dying in the U.S. And they coined a term, hidden death syndrome. And hidden death syndrome, that what, they, what they found is that behind heart disease, cancer, these other diseases, was this deeper issue which was an emotional mindset of unforgiveness. That people's bodies, we all know that, that our, our, our soul and our body, our, our, our psychology are, are, are connected. We are one unit. That, that their bodies were failing them because they harbored this bitterness and cynicism due to wounds in their past. We either transform our pain or we transmit it. Now, before we go on, I do want to pause and clarify something because I know forgiveness, it's, it's a big word. It's a heavy topic and, and we are real people with real, real wounds and real, real pain. And so I don't want to be unclear about this. Forgiveness is not, I'm not saying to let people walk all over us. It is not... Um, it is not, you know, to not let legal action take its course, to not have justice for victims of oppression, abuse. It doesn't mean that the relationship must go back to the way it was or that you, you let toxic people back into your life. Revenge is different than justice. Forgiveness is canceling the moral debt of another person in the way of the cross and through the Spirit's help. And this is why it is something that 
by God's grace and through Spirit working in us, everyone can do and is called to do, especially as those who represent Jesus in this world. Okay, that was the first difference. Here we go, second difference in in the text. We see a different, uh, the way in which the king gives the servant to make up the debt is different from the king to the servant and the servant to the fellow servant. The king says since he was not able to pay, he ordered that his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Which at first you're kind of like, ooh, that's intense. Like that is, that is a, a, a big deal. But as I, as I dug into this, I'd suggest this is actually an act of mercy of the king. You see, in, in Leviticus 25, you, you, get, uh, you can see here Jesus is calling back to, to a part of the law that says that if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. Then they and their children are to be released. In a sense, this was a gracious act of the king. So you have a massive debt but I will give you a way and treat you well so that you can pay back the debt. But what did the servant do? He went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. Even though it was just 100, 100 silver coins, they put him in prison. This was a death sentence for the man. Because there is no way he can make any money in prison. So while the king had a gracious, merciful way of of, of first repaying the the servant to the fellow servant, is actually saying, this is going to be the way that you'll die. Because you will be forever enslaved to your unpayable debt. And I believe this kind of explains the end of the parable. Because the master called the servant in after he hears about this. He says, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured. Until he should pay back all he owed. This is how. My heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Now, at first glance, this this makes the king kind of look like a monster. I mean, is this to be given over to the jailers to be tortured? But what I think is going on, the king is simply giving the servant into the punishment that the servant created for his fellow servant. This was his idea. This this is what he chose for him. He said, "If if you are going to inflict that pain on someone, then it will be what is coming to you. It wasn't his original idea. I think that what Jesus is saying is that if you receive the forgiveness that I have for you, but then you do not forgive others. Those who don't forgive will live as a prisoner to their own pain. Live as a prisoner. 
in this life and to the end to their own pain. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you. When we don't forgive, we don't follow in the way of Jesus, we, in a sense, make ourselves enslaved in, in, in prison, as a prisoner. We live as a prisoner to those wounds and pains that we have in us. This is why forgiveness is so powerful. I can remember uh, a few years ago, we were on a summer retreat, um, and we had about 100 students, and it was actually Cameron, uh, I don't know if Cameron's here, Emily, Emily's here, but was there, he was an intern uh, with us, and he, um, that evening for chapel, shared a message on forgiveness and identity, and uh, he, he took our students through a practice. He, um, first, of all, first of all, had them get a card, and they wrote on their card um, someone who had hurt them, who had called them a name, who had said something to them that they were, that hurt them. And then they took their card, and we, we got up from the chat, and we walked to a bonfire, right? In, in student ministries, we love fire. So we had this big bonfire going. We go to this fire, and then he has them sit in the rows, and he says, okay, I want you to look at your card, and then I want you to squeeze it in your hand. And when you're ready, I want you to walk up to the fire and throw it in. And imagine the person that you wrote down is burning in flames. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's not that. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, you're all like, what? No, that's not what we did. Okay, no. He actually said... I wrote, take that joke out of my notes, but I, I went for it. He actually said, when you're ready to throw the card into the fire and release that to the Lord. And I tell you what, the spirit fell on our group. We had students with baggage, with wounds in tears. We had students who, ha who hadn't spoken to one another all week because they were angry with one, on one another, hugging. Students who had, were dealing with issues of divorce and neglect and abandonment and pain. And in that moment, we saw the Spirit do a healing work individually in students' lives, but also as a community. It was a witness to the inbreaking kingdom of God. I believe we have to forgive if we want to see God's healing work take place in our lives and in the lives around us. All of us have been wounded, all right? I was talking to a friend at lunch, and he's like, oh, yeah, so if you are a human being on this earth and you ha have any relationship with another human being, this is a message for you. <laughs> all of us have been wounded. We've been uh, stomped on. We've been mistreated, lied to, neglected, right? We've, we've been under someone's heel, right? We've all experienced this. And it hurts. But the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to stay there. But through the cross of Christ, we've been given 
a new reality. It kind of reminds me of the first gospel declaration, uh, the, the proto-evangelium. Uh, we remember in the garden uh, the, the, with the serpent, he, he, he says, um, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. This is Eve and the rest of humanity. And then he says, he, the, the offspring of the woman, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And here is, is, is where we get the first picture of how God is going to deal with evil in this world. Though the enemy may strike his heel, he will crush his head. I don't know why, but for some reason, I always have this picture in my mind of like the beefiest, like, like someone who never misses leg day, all right? Just crushing this serpent, right? But the scandalous message of the gospel is that the way God crushes the evil one is not by force, but by being crushed himself. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. See, at the cross, we see God doing visibly and cosmically what every human must do to someone. Colossians, Ephesians, Paul says over and over again, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And this is why forgiveness is so hard. Because suffering is the currency of forgiveness. Forgiveness is suffering. It is, it is absorbing the debt of another. You are absorbing the debt, taking the cost of it completely on yourself instead of taking it out on another person. And many would say it feels like death. It is suffering. But what we see is that it is a death that leads to resurrection instead of the lifelong living death of bitterness and cynicism. Friends, let us remember first and foremost that we are forgiven. We are forgiven. And, and, and the debt that God has forgiven in us is far greater than the debts we have been called to forgive in one another. And although we are you know, still learning the way of Jesus, I, be, I truly believe we must, we must learn to forgive one another if we are to be a witness to God's healing power in this world. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you this evening. Lord, it is sacred ground when we come before you with our wounds and we come before one another with, with the pains that we've experienced in this life. And none of, nothing in us wants to forgive our brother or sister. That is so counter to how we are wired. But Jesus, you do give us a new way. At the cross, you showed us what it means. And then you call us in your word to be forgivers. 
So Jesus, I pray for us as a people, as, one, as ones who are witnessing to your kingdom breaking into this world, that we would have the courage to forgive. That we would be able to see those around us with the same eyes, the same love that you have for them. And we would begin to release those things. We know it takes time. It's not easy. It's hard work. It's suffering. But we know that we and the world will be better for it. pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Through this series, there we go. I know that through this series, you guys have been doing some practices. And I, I, we actually toyed with doing like a, a, a forgiveness practice. But what I found, and this is my own kind of experience, these things take more time than we can do in a service. To, to go through the deep work of forgiving someone, it's hard. It takes time. I remember being in the prayer room, which is now like obliterated in our, you know, uh, in their renovation, but being in there and doing this practice of forgiveness and like feeling like, yeah, Lord, you're working in me. Thank you. And then like coming out and seeing the person I'm trying to forgive and I'm just like, oh, stupid idiot. You know, like just... Like, yeah, I'm like, all right, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes practice. Um, but I do want to leave you with some practices. If this is you, if, if, if something, someone's on your mind that you know you need to forgive. And so um, let me just give you three real quick that you can take with you. One is a reflection using the senses. This is where you go through um, each of the five senses and you imagine what does forgiveness this person sound like? Um, imagine forgiveness had a face. What would it look like? Um, what, uh, if you could hold forgiveness in your hand, what would it feel like? What does forgiveness taste like? If, if, if it had a smell, what would it be? Now, this one's not for everybody. Those, those who are more sensory, it, it can be very powerful. Um, there's a prayer walk. What I encourage you to do is to begin the prayer walk. Give yourself some time. And at the beginning of your walk, clench your fists, kind of like Joseph had us start with. And as you walk and you pray and you release these things to the Lord, allow your hands to release as a way of releasing the debt that is owed you. The other one is to write a letter to the person releasing their debt. And if it makes sense, you could also even read it. I would encourage you to read it to someone and perhaps read it to the person. So how I want us to just engage in this tonight is just quickly, I want us to say the Lord's Prayer together. I find it interesting that in the most spoken prayer of all the world, and when God, when the, Jesus was telling his disciples how to pray, he included forgiveness right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We cannot pray your kingdom come unless we also pray forgive us and help us to forgive others. And so here's what I'm going to have us do. We're going to read this. We're going to say this together. Many of you know it. And when we get to 
that line and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, I'm just going to pause. I'm going to give you 30 seconds and a minute to just be with Jesus. If you want, if you want to respond physically, you could do the hand thing to, to have a tight grasp and let it release. And maybe the person that you know you need to forgive comes to mind and you need to do one of those practice late, practices later. Um, but maybe you just need to pray, God, I, I don't want to forgive. This is, this is silly. I, I can't do this. Maybe your prayer is, God, help me forgive. Or, or maybe it's, God, help me want to forgive this person. We'll spend a minute there and then we'll finish by uh, finishing the prayer and singing one more song. Would you pray with me? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. the prayer and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever 